When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In The Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm back from my all-star break hiatus count. I'm sort of joined, as always, by Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. And don't worry, we're not going to be trading them to another podcast. I know it's trade deadline season, but I think these two have their roles secured. But we'll keep an eye on Hug Watch over the next uh, hour or so. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm, I like my spot here. I'm pretty comfortable. Hopefully, uh, you know, we, we can stick, ar- stick around and uh, just give you the reliever news for the uh, All-Star break. <laughs> Uh, hey, I think I could net a pretty good return. I, I think you my guys might do well shipping me out, especially mm-hmm. if the right deal comes through. I think we're going to have a lot of calls coming through asking for me, but make sure you wait for the right deal because I think we could really uh, <laughs> improve the team. We could yeah, sell you know, high on you. Yeah, yeah that's could. right. <laughs> Bubba, Bubba and I have been in talks to get you permanently over to uh, the weekend podcast, but you nice. know we're still still in discussions. So let's, I'll keep your keep your bags packed. You know, we might have to do a mid show replacement, but we'll see. But speaking of trades, on this episode with the trade deadline a week and a half away, we know all the talk is about Shohei Otani and will he stay and will he go? And I'd love to know that, but on this episode. We're not going to answer that because everyone else in their right mind is going to be talking about that. We're going to do what we always do, talk about relievers. We're going to break down who's likely to be on the move. Guys need to be watching for. Do they have a closer job if they're moved? Who replaces them at those positions? Sellers, buyers, all of that and how it impacts the bullpens uh, on this show. But as always, we'll start with some of the latest news, including the first of hopefully many trades for us with the uh trade deadline. We'll start as we do always with the injuries. We'll run through it pretty quickly because none of them are the major impact moves, but still some notable names. AJ Minter placed on the 15-day IL with left shoulder inflammation. Josh Spores from the 15-day IL with right biceps tendonitis. And Chris Davinsky on the 15-day IL with a, str- a strained right hamstring. So Rick, we'll start with you. Any fantasy impact there? I know most of them are for holds leagues, but anybody who rises up in terms of holds is due to these, uh, these losses. Yeah, really thins out the Braves bullpen, I guess, because they already lost Nick Anderson, so now they're down another setup man. Um, you got to think they're going to go out and add a reliever at the deadline. Uh, for now, it looks like Kirby Yates should get some some more chances for holds, and Joe Jimenez is kind of working his way back into that role as well. Um, but yeah, they're the depth's kind of been being tested right now in that bullpen, and. Again, the same with Josh Spores. I, I think that's another spot where I, I don't I don't think the Rangers are done adding relievers. I think they're still gonna probably add another right handed, you know, relief option to the mix with um Chapman and Smith holding down the ninth and eighth right now. Yeah, the uh Braves are gonna have to send out the bat signal to uh, Jesse Chavez to get him back because uh, <laughs> that bullpen is getting really thin in Atlanta right now. Um 
Yeah, I think you you mentioned the, the right guys. The, the Rangers could definitely use another addition there, especially with Jose LeClerc being basically the only right-handed option that you can really trust right now. So they could definitely use some more guys there. And the Angels have been sort of pushed out of contention at, at this point with Trout going on the aisle and stuff. So we'll, we'll be looking at, at different trades, but I think they're going to be shipping guys out of their bullpen. So I don't think Davinsky going down is going to be somebody that they're going to be looking to replace externally. Definitely see some guys get called up, but a, a lot of their young guys are on the IL right now. I think this just gives Jose Soriano and Jacob Webb a lot more opportunities in the high leverage situations at the end of the game. Yeah. I, I think Davinsky too. I, he, do like you said, he might be an option to be moved because he's on a one year contract. So I don't know how. Obviously, the injury doesn't help if if the Angels do you know decide to sell some pieces. Um, I still think Davinsky would be one of the one of the names to go. Hey, let's not talk about the Angels as not a playoff contender. They just swept the extremely high powered New York Yankees. They should be. They <laughs> should. They shouldn't. I don't think. I mean, they shouldn't sell Otani. They shouldn't. They should, you know, make a little, make a run, see what happens. Why not? No, a, but yeah, once no. in a lifetime player on your roster. Yeah. And you've had him already. Don't like screw up oh. the rest of your whole organization because you want to hold on to a guy for two months on a, on a run. That's like not going to come to fruition. It's going to be so disappointing when they don't make the playoffs and they're like, shoot, we're just going to get an extra draft pick <laughs> in the draft. And it's going to be the, the worst feeling ever because you had him for five and a half years. Might as well trade him now before, uh, things get bad. I don't think these last two months without him are going to be that different. Um, if you have him and you don't make the playoffs, it, then yeah. If there's no chance, if there's zero percent, like a zero percent chance, he 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 won't resign or he will resign. Then he, there's I, no I, shot he's resigning. Eh, you never know. I don't. Th- <laughs> he wants he wants to win games. The Angels the Angels have proven they cannot That's, win games. Right now their wrong. playoff yeah. their, their playoff chances are thirteen percent. They're just one game over five hundred right now. It's there's a possibility, but with Trout out, I I think it's it's really hard to envision that happening. Um, I w- want with all my heart for them to make the playoffs. I know Callen said we're not going to do the Otani talk, and here we are <laughs> yeah, no. doing the Otani talk. But um, I, I want with all my heart for them to make the playoffs, but I have no reason to believe that they will. And I don't. If if I were a fan of that team, as much as I would want to see Shohei Otani on this team for the last two months, if I really cared about my team that much. I would want them to keep the future positive by sending him out and getting a massive return because that's going to be an unprecedented rental return there. Yeah. And since we are t- going into that talk, we did. If I'm the betting man, I will guess he will not be on the Angels in by August 1st. I think he will be dealt. Someone's going to blow him away with an offer. A guy like that becomes available. It's like when Soto became available. Someone's going to step up. It's a different circumstance. Gotani's on a rental, but someone will pony up the package that the angels are looking for i don't know who but i expect him to not be an angel come august 1st orioles but, please i mean that'd be fun for baseball but god i don't want the another Hillies team get team to get him but why should i care the yankees aren't going anywhere on to the other transactions since we don't have otani news to talk about the first is an actual trade and we'll see if this has impact speaking of the orioles shintaro fujinami was traded from the oakland a's to the baltimore orioles don't look at the surface numbers because it has not been a, a great st- first season in the MLB for Fujinami. But you look under the hood, he's been pitching a lot better lately. Now he goes to a contender with the Orioles. Maybe he can help get the ball to Felix Bautista. Does this have any fancy viability? Is Fujinami someone you want to you know, put on a watch list to, in, that, in like holds leagues? Yeah, he definitely, I think, goes 
gets a little bit of a bump in holds leagues potentially. Um, depending on how things shake out, I know they already have Coolium and um, Yeni Kano pretty much locked into those you know top two setup roles uh, behind Felix Batista. So uh, even in a middle relief role, though, the way Fujinami had been pitching before the trade, uh, he he really is. I mean, we have talked about him a few times on this podcast. He's he started to figure things out and, you know, great fastball splitter combination that doesn't, you know, just grow on trees. So it, it, there's a lot there's a lot of potential in him being a good middle relief option. I don't know if there's going to be a ton of holds chances, but um, yeah, just something to, someone to keep an eye on, though, because of the stuff that he possesses. Yeah, we definitely talked about him a lot recently because I thought he was going to take over for Trevor May, but I guess mm. he's a he's a free agent after this offseason, so it makes sense for them to send him out. But I think Orioles fans should definitely be excited about this one because I think he's finally figuring things out. I've, I've used these stats a lot um, in recent uh episodes where I, I stated his last 13 games during which he's tossed 15 and a third innings. This was a guy who struggled with his command so immensely that they moved him to the bullpen and it still didn't figure out uh, until recently. Those 13 games, 15 innings, he's walked one batter. So that's a walk rate of just 1.7% and it comes with a 28% strikeout rate. And that also comes with a 2.93 ERA and a 0.98 whip. His location plus is around 99, which is very, very solid. And his stuff is incredible. Um, I know his splitter is one of the best in the game, and he's been leaning into that pitch a lot more recently as well. Um, and so it, it sort of, it all makes sense why he he's starting to become a better pitcher. He's throwing in the zone more. He's changed his pitch mix. He's throwing harder and going to a team like the Orioles, where not only do they have a ballpark that I really like for most pitchers, but they are great with not only unknown relievers, but all kinds of relievers. We've seen them turn so many different guys into elite bullpen arms. Even Felix Bautista, one of the best closers in baseball right now, lowest ERA in baseball. He's 28. He like, and he just debuted last year. This is sort of a, an out of nowhere guy who just, has been turned into an elite guy. Same with Yenier Cano, who's a first-time all-star. Danny Coulomb, who's not been anything before this year, and so many other guys in the past couple of years that I think you get Fujinami over there, who's finally figuring everything out, and now he goes to a team that can help him even further. I think he could have a breakout second half, and while I don't know if he's going to be the next setup man, I think he should be because Yenier Cano has been falling off dramatically since that first uh, month of the season. And so I think Fujinami could really be a difference maker in that bullpen down the stretch. Yeah, as we're recording this earlier today, Cano did blow a lead in the seventh inning for the Orioles, ended up winning the game and taking over first place, but they had a 3-1 lead and gave up two runs. So maybe they do need another arm, and I think Fujinami could be a could be a candidate there. Over to the guys who came activate off the IL, rapid fire votes, see if they have any sort of impact. First one, maybe he can fill in for Chris Minsky. Matt Moore activated from 15 day IL for the Angels, strained right oblique. And two Padres activated from the IL, Stephen Wilson from a right pectoral strain, and Robert Suarez activated from a 60 day IL with right elbow inflammation. Any fancy viability there? Do you think these guys can matter for holds to their teams? Uh yeah, uh, Stephen Wilson definitely will. He he's coming back and he he's already had. I think he already has two holds since he returned from the IL. Um, Robert Suarez is a long kind of forgotten about him. He hasn't pitched at all this year, but uh, he did sign a pretty big extension for at least as far as you know setup men go this off season. So they they are. I'm sure they're expecting him to 
you know, slot right back into a high leverage role and he should be a name to monitor and holds leagues. Let's, let's see. It's been, you know, it, he hasn't pitched all year. So let's see how he looks, you know, out of the gate here, but definitely a name to look at, to keep an eye on. And Matt Moore was pitching well before, before the injury. So, um, but again, it, it, the angels could, if they're going to, if the angels are going to sell, they might as well, you know, move Davinsky more, uh, Estevez, that whole bullpen, all those guys on one year deals. So, uh, he could be, he could find himself in a different, you know, different city in about a week. Definitely. Yeah. I'm excited to see what Robert Suarez can do. He really struggled during his rehab stint across three levels of the minors, gave up a lot of runs in a short amount of time. So hopefully he can come back up and figure it out. He was incredible last year, but he's not the spry young minor league pitcher who who made his major league debut last year that you would think he is. He's 32 now. So there's definitely some possibility that he could regress. He was great last year, 2.27 ERA. He struck out, um, 32% of the batters he faced. So he he's definitely a guy that has a high ceiling. It'll be interesting to see if he can reach that across the final two months. I think it might take him too long to really get into the groove of things. And he might be a guy that's a difference maker in the playoffs. If the Padres do somehow eke in into the playoffs, but uh, I, I don't think he's going to be huge for fantasy, but yeah, Steven Wilson, Matt Moore have been racking up the holds this year. And while Moore isn't really guaranteed to, remain that if he does get traded i think both guys are uh very solid holds options as of now more came right in and uh i believe on was when wednesday again the angels with a four-run lead but against the yankees lineup in the eighth inning to get the ball to what would have been estevez while they were trying to preserve him so pretty exciting to see him back he was a big thing and i want to see what the padres do so definitely some names you want to circle keep an eye on Next two guys are definitely guys you want to circle keep an eye on because they have been some flashy stuff. Alex Baez activated from the minors for Texas Rangers and was immediately thrust into setup man role to get the ball to Aroldo Chapman in the ninth. Prelander Baroa recalled from minors from the minors. He's had some flashy stuff in the minors as well. And then all-star Joe Mantiply. He's, we, have to, we all have to mention anytime he does something, he was activated from the, recalled from the minors as well for Diamondbacks. So... I know Mantiply, he's in a crowded bullpen, so we might not talk about him too much, but for Spayas and Baroa, some flashy stuff. Are you guys interested in them at all? Yeah, I mean, definitely worth monitoring. Yeah, Spayas has got... I've never, honestly, to be honest, never heard the name, and then uh, watching him, yeah, he's got some really good stuff. Um, Baroa's been kind of around. it's again. It's it's gonna. This is a tougher bullpen, I think, to get into the holes mixing with the Seattle. But Spayos, like we said, Spores is down. They only have Jose Leclerc for right-handed options, so um, he he could uh, find a way into that bullpen, into that you know high leverage mix if they don't go out and make another move. Yeah, I'm loving all the call-ups that have been happening recently. We got to see Abner Uribe and some other guys get called up recently, and uh, these two are sort of in that same boat. Um, Spayas on the Rangers has had a very solid season in the minors across double A AA and triple A. He struck out a lot of batters. He was over 40% at double A and over 38% at triple A. And uh, Baroa is super interesting. He is a former Giants prospect and mm. he looked incredible in spring training. I don't know if you guys remember that. He was just throwing just some nasty stuff. I think he throws from a funky arm angle too. So it makes it uh, difficult to see what he does he's 
sort of a converted starter to a reliever, um, but he's been great at AAA or at AA this year as a 23-year-old, 2.93 ERA, 36% strikeout rate. That's a that's a legit guy. I trust the Mariners with their pitcher development as well. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He could probably go multiple innings as well. That's that's pretty enticing. That bullpen though is pretty stacked. I don't see him getting into high leverage situations, but they're definitely be they'll definitely be fun guys to watch to see if you'll have interest in speculating on them next year to jump into that high leverage roles. Definitely. Yeah, I'm trying to see that. I loved watching Spayas uh, last night on Wednesday night. He goes winning in two thirds, two strikeouts immediately of three straight all-stars. Just welcome to the show. Get thrust right in the mix and got the ball to Rawls Chab and his stuff has been pretty electric. So both of them are going to be a lot of fun and it wouldn't shock me. I agree. We might, more likely Spayas gets into a higher leverage role than Baroa, but Baroa's stuff you know, I've heard good things about it. He touches 100 miles per hour, so I'm definitely excited to see that. And let's see what All-Star Joe Mantiply can do. Got to mention that one more time before <laughs> we move on. Uh, as always, let's get to the risers and fallers in the ranks before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Probably won't get into as in-depth into them, but as always, there's some notable names that aren't going to be talked about for trade deadlines. So, Rick, we'll start with you. Who has been one of the biggest risers from the past week? Yeah, so I mean, it's still kind of a short-ish week um, coming off the All-Star break, but we did see a couple relievers with um, closers with four saves already since the All-Star break, and you know, one is Devin Williams, who um, just was lights out this weekend with the Brewers sweeping the, the Reds in a huge, you know, huge home series for them. Um, Again, I, I you know I was a little skeptical. There's this you know the command issues, and he's really been playing with fire with you know walking as many guys as he does. But didn't I don't believe he walked anyone this past weekend. Um, strikeouts were there. You know the striker rate has dipped this year, but he he had a, he was you know missing bats at a high rate this weekend. So hopefully we see a big second half from him if he can you know stay healthy. And this Brewers team does look. I mean Corbin Burns is like the Corbin Burns we've expected right now, you know, he's, he looks like he's back. So this, this Brewers team's set to, to make a run and it's going to be their pitching staff that carries them starting with the you know, rotation going into the bullpen. Yeah. It's sort of like the luck is turning around for Williams. He was pitching pretty solidly throughout the whole first half. The saves just weren't coming. And now they finally are here as the Brewers have been playing closer games. So it's, it's nice to see Williams finally getting the save opportunities that he deserves. Yeah, he's been he's been great. We've been waiting for, you know, Devin Williams is always this high guy we always like to watch. It's great stuff, but we've been waiting for him to really look like the extremely dominant Devin Williams. It's been nice to see that. And like Jake, like Rick said, they're a first place team. They're going to push more playoff push. Devin Williams is going to keep part of that, so it's good to see him getting back to his uh, usual self. Jake, on to you to one of the other biggest risers from the week. I'm going with my homer pick. I'm going with Camilo Doval. He is another one of those guys that's got four saves since the All-Star break. And he currently leads baseball in saves. He's up to 30 now. He's gotten a, a pretty solid edge on the second place runner up in, in the saves category. And he's been incredible this year. The stuff is really great. He's got the clear closer role in San Francisco. The Giants have been very good this year. And I, I don't see him slowing down at all. And he just keeps racking up the saves and I think he's very close to being a top five reliever. Uh, Rick's got him number six on his list, but I feel pretty confident in Camilo Duvall for the rest of the year. Yeah, even at six. I mean, that whole group is very, I have a lot of confidence in 
for the time at the time you know the time being at least things can change quickly in this you know closer market but um Duvall yeah it's crazy I mean we haven't seen you know it's it's hard to see you don't see 40 save years a lot anymore and he's looks like he's destined to to break that 40 save mark this year as long as he stays healthy so um yeah he's been you know the, the change he's made with his you know pitch mix throwing you know going with the slider a little bit more um really helped him out this year strikeout numbers are insane and you know he's he's been able to command his stuff so yeah uh, nothing really bad we can say about Camille Duvall right now no and he had that day on a was it Tuesday when he had two saves in one day yeah. because they continued via rain to our oh, yeah. suspended game and then mm-hmm. he got to save the very next day he's been great and we talked about him a lot through the season wouldn't shock me like Jake said if he ends up top five reliever for this season or a top five season going into 2024. But another closer, same position, same top five sort of thing. We'll wrap up another guy with three saves in three days, four saves since we last recorded. It's Johan Duran. It's not too much more you need to say about that. He's really good. Four saves, four strikeouts in four innings. Look at his PL page. So much in the red. Strikeout stuff's there. He's in the top. He got 16 saves on the season. The Twins are another team that they're not as good as the Giants or the Brewers, really, but they're in first place in a you know, middle of the pack AL Central, but if you're going to be winning games, the Twins are another team that's going to be doing it with their pitching. They're going to need Duran to be great, and he's taking that job and ran with it, and he's been a awesome of late. So, just want to give up one last shout out to Duran as he's gone from this borderline. We'll see if he's the closer to top five in Rick's ranks, and no sign of relinquishing that anytime soon. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very like you said. It's a bit similar to Devin Williams with you know a team that's struggled, but. Uh, they're still, you know, first place in the division, so they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, Duran's gonna have chances. Hopefully, the rest of the way, hopefully more than he had in the first half. And you know, we'll talk about all the trade deadline stuff. And I know I've heard a lot of people mention that he might be a candidate to to lose his job, depending on what the Twins do. But I, I don't necessarily see that happening. That would that would be sort of goofy, unless you want to use him as like the high leverage guy. That's the yeah, like. You know, either lessening lessening his innings or, sure. you know, using him earlier in games, kind of like with how they did last year. But yeah, he he's been you know a rock for them at, at the back end of the bullpen. So no matter where he's being used, he's going to be he's going to have some value. Is there anybody with better stuff than Doval or Duran in the majors? It's, yeah, I think I from a from like yeah visual, just watching it, I I, I would say no. <laughs> I can't I mean, think of anybody off the top of my head. I mean, if we yeah. still the nastiest, we still had the nastiest pitchers article. I'm sure Duran would be on it three, four times a week. If that's he's just a must watch. If he's in, I try and flip on a Twins game as soon as I can just to see if, see that stuff. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah, but on to some guys who still have good stuff, but unfortunately have been a little bit shaky lately and have unfortunately fallen down in the ranks. Jake, we'll start with you this time. Who is someone who you see as uh, the biggest faller in the ranks this week? Well, I've got Scott McGuff in my home league, and uh, it's been sort of hard to hold on to him recently. I'm not at risk of dropping him, but I am starting to lose confidence that he's going to maintain that role if the Diamondbacks do add to the bullpen at the deadline because he's really struggled recently, which is unfortunate after finally looked like he was finally uh, getting all his stuff together. 
in his last few appearances since basically 628, June 28th. He's allowed five, nine, 10 runs, nine earned in that time. Uh, not, uh, he's not having a good time. It's a 12 ERA across 6.2 yeah. innings pitch and it's, it's bumped his ERA up considerably and, it's just sort of what we were seeing at the beginning of the season where he can have these blowups. And I thought maybe he had gotten over that because he had a super long stretch of about a couple months where he just didn't blow up at all. But this shows that the volatility of the splitter can't is something that will hurt McGuff from time to time. And he doesn't have the best control to make up for it with his fastball. Yeah. 14 hits and seven, 14 hits and seven walks since June 26th. Uh, that's over eight innings pitched and that's the nine earned runs. Uh, just one save since then. And all the meanwhile, Kevin Ginkle's got two saves in the past three days. So I, I, I don't know if we're going to call that, you know, as Ginkle's taking over the role yet. Uh, it sure looks like he has, but, um, yeah, McGuff is it's definitely trending in the wrong direction. And no matter what, even if he is able to reclaim the closer role, you have to imagine this Arizona this Arizona team is the one team that I feel like we all know is going to add a pretty pretty you know impact reliever at the deadline. They have to. They're that's like one of the outside of maybe another starter. They that reliever is definitely their biggest need. So, um, you know, yeah. Then the question comes down: Does that guy who comes in take over the closer role or are they going to find someone internally by then you know it's getting close and mcguff's just you know struggling at the wrong time where i i honestly think you can possibly drop him at this point i don't i don't know if he's going to be able to retake the closer role by the end of the month but um you know if anything i think ginkle's the 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 option to uh, to roster right now Rick, let's move over to you as I try and decide what I want to do with Scott McGuff in my <laughs> home league. But who's another one of your followers for this week? Um, yeah, this is another tough one in in Texas, and it's you know Will Smith hasn't pitched bad, and he actually has two saves this week. But Eraldis Chapman also has two saves this past week, and I think at best this is going to become you know some sort of committee, and I don't. You know, I don't love, you know, I don't think Will Smith is, is, has the, you know, he's not helping that much with strikeouts like Chapman is. I think if you're going to roster one of these two, you want to be, you want to be, to be Chapman right now. Not saying to drop Will Smith necessarily, but in shallower leagues, maybe it's, you know, he's probably in the back third or so of closer options, you know, out of the top 30. So I, I, Still think, you know, he's going to factor into saves, but I think Chapman's kind of going to be the closer moving forward. The bulk of the the um, save chances that this team gets. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't think you drop him right away, but the committee is going to be interesting, to say the least. And you know, we'll talk about it the the trade portion of the show. It wouldn't shock me if the Rangers had another reliever and make this even more of a crowded mess. But uh, yeah, I don't think you drop Will Smith per se, but definitely has to fall with the acquisition of Chapman and him getting thrown right back into the uh, closer mix. And for me to wrap it up, it's another messy situation. But out in Miami, AJ Puck has not looked like himself lately. He hasn't gotten a save since Saturday the eighth against the Phillies. Last time out, he only went two thirds of an inning, three runs, didn't strike out a batter, hit. 
just has not looked good. Gave up th- runs in three out of his last five outings. There's starting to be some questions throughout Twitter about whether Tanner Scott might be getting some seed opportunities. We saw him do it last year, but with a different manager. So I don't know if I'm ready to save that immediately, but I am. You know, yeah, it's been rough <laughs> for AJ Puck and the Marlins. They're playing a lot of a uh, close games, so I think he definitely has to be someone. I don't know if you drop him yet, but I'm definitely concerned with what I've seen from him lately. I. I wouldn't drop him yet, but yeah, it's concerning and definitely Tanner Scott makes an interest for an interesting speculative ad. He's really not, he's not rostered in a lot of leagues. He should be available um, unless you're in, you know, a deeper 16 team or NL only type format. Uh, I think now would be the time to roster him and just see how things play out over the next week or two. This is another team. I think right behind Arizona that needs to add a reliever, preferably a right-handed closer type. Um, and as we're about to, you know, get into, there are some pretty good options available. It's just going to come down to what, you know, what's Miami willing to pay and, you know, are, how serious are they about making a playoff run this year? Yeah. I'll just say I called it two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, and we can move on. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Let's take a quick break and we get back. Let's get into the big, big story. Start breaking down these possible movers. Who's going to be gone? Who's going to take over the spot? All of that and more on In the Pen. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope NY. In Tennessee, call 1 all right, it's time for our annual trade deadline primer. We can have to go. The moves have started. We want to get you a good feel as to whose names could be on the move, who's you, someone you want to circle on your watch list, try and get before their move, try and get after after this guy's move, so you're the first to get your replacements for those teams. We're going to go through the sellers first, go for guys we think could be on the move, kind of put a likelihood and try and give you some names to monitor and try and be in front of your league mates to add. So we'll start off with the Oakland A's. This one's pretty simple. Trevor May's on a one-year rental. He's been the closer of late. I think we all expect him to be moved. If we do, we'll start with the resident A's fan with you, Jake. Who do you want in Oakland, if anybody? To trade for? To, to replace. <laughs> if, if, Trevor, if Trevor May's gone, the, who does the... Is there anybody who takes over as a favorite for saves? Oh, uh, yeah, it's gotten really difficult now that Fujinami's gone because <laughs> that was my go-to guy for a while. Um, if we're talking about fantasy, I don't want anybody. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about who's going to actually just take over the role if I'm the manager there, 
I don't know. Uh, it, there's like nobody that's been good this year. It's really hard to to tell. Uh, literally everybody that's been there for more than 10 innings has an ERA over four and only one of them has a strikeout rate over 30%. Um, and that's Lucas Ursedge, which I think that's how it's pronounced. And he's got a 5.67 ERA. I, I think it's got to be Sam Mole. He's the guy who's got the most experience in the majors. He's been on the team for the longest. He's gotten a save this year already. Um, I, they, they used him in sort of a, a platoon role out of the closer spot. So I think that's your most likely opportunity to take over that role. But if we're talking about fantasy, even if he's getting a few saves, not only is he not going to pitch to good ratios or strike out too many batters, he's like 27%, which not incredible for a reliever but the a's are about to have an even worse team as we enter the <laughs> the post trade deadline um because they're going to trade off some guys and so i i don't think that that there's going to be too many wins to go around there um and trevor may may not even be be traded i know that he's getting saves recently uh-huh. but he's been not not good in terms of uh, the surface level metrics, underlying metrics. Uh, it, the the walk to strikeout ratio is even. He's walked the same amount of batters as he struck out, and that's twenty one in twenty five innings. So I, any team that's that's going to get him better have a plan. Um, and so that's there's no guarantee that the A's are going to be able to get anything out of him, and they may just may just wait until the off season or until next year. Yeah, the only pro- I, he's on a one year deal though, right? So I mean, he, they yeah. have a. I think an there's an option. Um, it yeah. doesn't say that there is, but I remember there being an option. I'm going to look that up. Um, yeah. So yeah, we don't have to talk about the A's too much. Uh, Perfect. whether or not may, whether or not may goes or not, I will say, I'll give one name for this bullpen. That's kind of intriguing. And that's on Felipe. And that, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. So we've learned don't really pick up an A. Maybe keep an eye on Felipe. Maybe keep an eye on Mold, but try and find your saves elsewhere. And if Trevor May gets moved, he's not going to be a closer anywhere. So he'll likely not be the most fancy viable the rest of the season. While Jake looks up Trevor May's contract situation, we'll, we'll it's a one year deal. It's a one year deal. Perfect. So he'll likely be moved. The question is where. And even if he does, we're not going to be too intrigued for fantasy. Over to Kansas City, where we already got the first move. Aroldis Chapman got traded, so that leaves just Scott Barlow. He's not on a one-year deal. He's a free agent in 2025, but he is 30 years old. The Royals have been trying to move him. So, Rick, do you expect Scott Barlow to be moved? If so, who steps in for Kansas City as someone you want to circle as a put him on your watch list and maybe pick over for saves? Yeah, I, I think this is the year. I think Barlow's a 75% chance to get moved. I, it doesn't make sense unless they want to wait until the offseason. But I feel like for relievers, the deadline's usually a, like a good place to, to, to move a reliever because you're, you know, that's what teams are usually looking for to, you know, shore up their bullpen for a playoff run. And they're going to, you know, they're craving guys like Barlow with his sort of, you know, history and, um, now who it's I think Carlos Hernandez should be the favorite to take over. Who knows though? They they might, you know, again, they they really <laughs> I don't know why they they're they really have like an obsession with um Taylor Clark there and he's just horrible, but they love using him in high leverage role for those spots. Um but it should be Hernandez, even, you know, Dylan Coleman's another interesting name. Um but Hernandez has pitched well pretty much all year he, he struggled at the beginning of the season but you know after the, his last 32.2 innings he's got a 2.44 era and a 0.83 whip um 
with you know a 24 percent k to walk rate so um really good and you know 127 stuff plus rating so like really really good you know he he should be the the closer for the royals next year and you know for for a while until they inevitably end up moving him for pieces as, as well <laughs> in like 2026 or whatever yeah yeah i feel pretty confident about hernandez taking over that role and being really good because i think he's been pretty unlucky this year in terms of performance he's i think figured everything out on the mound and then he's just been a little bit unlucky in the field he's got a 3.48 xfip and a 3.75 era which has been over four throughout the year so i think his luck is finally starting to turn around and once he takes over that closer role where he hasn't really had many uh save plus holds opportunities he's had seven holds this year which that that really goes under the radar i think he could really climb save plus hold rankings super quickly as once he takes over that role now scott barlow does get moved obviously it needs to depend on where he goes but do you think he'll still have fantasy viability even for a, a holds league no shot, no shot. not even in a holds league and holds leagues i think he would yeah. but like where is he going that he's going to be a, a a holds option i mean we just like arizona miami I, I mean, think even Dodgers those teams, they, 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 both of those teams still have guys that are better than Barlow. He's got a 4.89 ERA this year. The only reason he's been fantasy relevant is because of his role in the closer. And the only reason he's the closer is that they can get a better deal when they trade him. I, I think if you get him in an organization that can develop pitching sure. a little bit better, I, I think there's some stuff there to work with. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. All right. Staying out in Chicago or in the Central, we'll go to the Chicago White Sox next They've got a lot of guys that could possibly be moved, and we'll run through them quickly in terms of the uh, one-year rentals. we got Renal Lopez and Kenny Middleton, both on one-year contracts. We expect them to possibly be on the move, and they've been one of the favorites for saves. But there's other options. Liam Hendricks has a club option for 2024. Maybe he gets moved. Joe Kelly has a club option for 2024 for $9.5 million. Wouldn't shock us if he's moved. Kendall Graveman's a free agent in 2025, and Aaron Bummer has two club options he could potentially be moved so let's make him let's try and make sense of the chicago white Sox situation do we expect a lot of movement there after it's all shaken done who do we expect to stay be the closer let's try and make sense of this uh kind of messy situation yeah i mean we were kind of talking about it before the show and i think you know i think this white Sox team's at the point where they're kind of in need of a complete tear down and rebuild that and it starts with these this bullpen you know this group of guys in the bullpen that all I all six of them could be moved. They're probably not all going to be moved, but um, Lopez and Middleton definitely, Kelly definitely will be because that nine point five million dollar club option next year, no one's going to pick that up. So he's essentially, you know, going to be a free agent. I, I think Liam Hendricks depends on kind of I, I get I'm sure they'll give him the courtesy to you know if he wants to go to a contender, I'm sure they'll help make that happen, but. Again, that's a I give that about a fifty percent chance, depending on you know what he's looking to do, and it, it does sound like he's starting to ramp up his rehab and could be back relatively soon. So he should be closing out games for someone in August. It's just a matter of who at this point. The White Sox are really going to define this deadline. I think that's going to make it a lot of fun because even outside of the bullpen, they have a few starters that could be on the move and mm-hmm. a couple guys in the lineup. So I, that's going to be the team to watch. It's going to make all the difference in uh, trade deadline season. 
but yeah, the, the bullpen is, I think, where they have the most talent to give up. And I think it'll be interesting to see who goes where. Um, it's hard to like predict where a reliever is going to go because I think yeah. every playoff team is always in need of yeah. more bullpen depth. There, there's no team that can really truly look you in the eyes and be like, no, we're good. We don't want anything else. And I think every team's going to be calling the White Sox to see the prices of, of all of these guys. Um, yeah, Lopez, Middleton, smell you later. Um, Joe Kelly's most most likely gone as long as he's over that injury that he's currently dealing with. And I think Kendall Graveman has the opportunity, um, but he's still got a, a whole nother year of control he left. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hendricks will be the most fun to watch because I think he's a, a fan favorite. It'll be interesting like if he does go to another team, even if he's not the closer, I think uh, the fans of whatever team get him are going to be really happy. So this will be uh, a good team to watch for sure. One word answer before we move on. Who, after this mess is over, who's closing games for White Sox? Who stays? What's your early prediction for that? I think Raveman stays because that might be tough to sell teams on his $8 million that he, he's owed next year. So I think Raven stays and winds up being the closer. Um, but yeah, Gregory Santos is right there too. I, I think if all six of these guys move, then it's Santos' job to lose. Uh, I say Hendricks doesn't move and he's the closer when he comes back. I will agree with Jake. But let's move over to Colorado where, again, another a lot of names. A lot of one-new rentals. Brent Suter, Brad Hand, Pierce Johnson. I think we could go quickly and say none of these guys will be fantasy viable if they're moved. Agree or disagree? Probably not. Yeah, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Probably not. I, we've seen Suter be somewhat fantasy viable in the past, mostly as a guy that would come in in the fifth or sixth innings and Fulcher saves. He had 12 wins in 2021 with the Brewers. So that's about all he really does. He's not a huge holds guy. He peaked at eight in that same year, 2021. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Brad Hand probably has the highest likelihood of becoming someone that's fantasy relevant just because he could be what whatever team he ends up with. He could be their team's uh, best left-handed reliever. The real question then becomes the final option for that team, Daniel Bard, who's a free agent after next season. He is 38 years old, has $9.5 million owed to him. Maybe he's on the move, but, um, you know, so at this point, when we're looking at Colorado, do we expect Bard to be moved? If these moves happen, does Bard become the favorite for saves? Is it still Justin Lawrence? What's our reading Colorado at this point? <laughs> I'm still at the only person I have any interest in even thinking about rostering right now is Justin Lawrence there. Uh, I It would be it would shock me if someone they would probably have to eat all of that money that Bard's owed in order to find someone to take him to, to take him on. And I don't know if the prospect return even at that point would be worth dealing Bard. So they're probably stuck with him for the next two years. No, the Rockies love Daniel Bard. There's no way they're trading him. That's their favorite player on their team. I think they're, they'll hold on to him. And Justin it, Lawrence is going to maintain that role. They promise to be more active this year, so hey, you never know. That doesn't that doesn't mean you trade franchise icon Daniel Bard. <laughs> Haven't we heard you trade this. Chris Bryant in the second year of his mm. mega deal? <laughs> bring him, bring him to New York. I'll eat that contract and put him in the outfield. We need some <laughs> facelifts, so let's do it. But mm. it'll be an interesting team. We've heard this before from the Rockies, so yeah, it'll be more active, and yeah. it's just dumb move after dumb move. So I'm expecting the same from More them. They'll active probably buy. in acquiring players. Yeah, they'll acquire another dumb contract <laughs> that's not worth. They'll trade for another reliever. They'll be the one to get Liam Hendricks for some <laughs> dumb reason. And at least he'll get saves there. But on the Washington where, again, 
kind of messy situation. Our fan favorite may be on the move. The only one-year rental is Carl Edwards Jr., which same situation we said for Colorado. We don't expect to have much fantasy viability if he is moved. But here come the other options. There's two. There's three guys who are going to be free agents in 2026, and this is a team that maybe it's time to capitalize on some high upside play of it, of the fact that they're selling high and pitching well with Kyle Finnegan, Tanner Rainey, and Hunter Harvey. So do we expect any of these guys to be on the move? Who ends up still in Washington and the favorite for saves after this happens? Uh, that's going to be a good question because I do... I, I It doesn't make... It makes sense to trade Kyle Finnegan at this point. He's 32 years old, only has two years left after the season. Um... Could I make mean, this is like probably the highest you can sell him at? Uh, I think I don't um, see a reason for them to keep him around, really. So I, I think Finnegan is gone, and then you know Rainey's out for the year, and Harvey. I don't. I, it sounds like Harvey probably. It, it was doubtful he probably pitches again this year. I don't think there's any reason to rush him back. So who does that leave to close out games in Washington? I have no idea. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, that becomes like the, it's like another Oakland A situation almost, even though this team has been playing a little bit better, I, I guess Mason Thompson maybe, but he is very sketchy. He's, you know, he has good weeks and then he has just disastrous weeks. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not really anything worth chasing here. If even, even with Finnegan as the closer, it's still, you know, at your own risks type situation. Yeah. I, I think Hunter Harvey's probably going to stay around. He's got the only possibility of like still being good when he's, uh, when the nationals are good again, because he's still 28. But like you said, he's, he's a free agent after the next two years. I think Finnegan is probably going to be on the move. I think this is a good time to sell him. He's been very good since a couple blowups to start the year. 1.88 ERA in his last 38 innings pitch. So I think this is a, a great time to sell him, especially because you're going to get a larger return because he does still have those extra years of control. Yeah. And if Carl Edwards Jr. can come back healthy, I think he should be on the move as well. But I, I think Hunter Harvey's going to stay and re- hold on to that closer role. We got a trio of NL Central teams coming up next, and we'll start with the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are a great story at the beginning of the season, but have since found their way back to the basement and will likely be sellers at the deadline. Question is, do they move pieces in the bullpen? Nobody is on a rental. The big biggest name is David Bednar, of course, who's a free agent in 2027. It's been a back and forth. He's a fan favorite in Pittsburgh, but it's a reliever on a very expendable contract. So do we expect him to be on the move? And if so, who takes over for Pittsburgh? I I want I put it at sixty percent chance he gets moved. That's probably too high because they don't. I you know Ben Charrington usually doesn't make these types of moves, but um I I think that window in Pittsburgh is not. It's not in the next two or two to three years. I don't think it's getting really? close. I don't. It's getting closer, but I mean it depends on when. It's like when is Paul Skeen's going to be? You know next year. Maybe next year. Is he going to turn them around in one year? No, it's probably like 25, 26 when they're, you know, doing things. So I, I don't know. I, I still think you, you can sell high on Bednar here. You can, you know, you have other options who are pretty good in that bullpen that you can, you know, have moving forward. And I I just think that the, what Bednar can get at the deadline this year, given the season he's had and just the the option, the other relief options available to, you know, when you think about it, there's eight, at least eight teams that could definitely use a reliever. I, I think you could get a really good, you know, return for, for Bednar now and 
probably the highest, the best, the best return you can get um, for duration and duration of you know his time uh, with Pittsburgh. Yeah, those are some really fair points. I think trading Bednar now would really get a huge return, but I I think I have a more positive uh, view on when this team's going to be good. I think next year and uh, especially the year after that, 2025, I think they're going to be really good. And I I think uh, so 2025 and 2026 could be years where Bednar is the guy closing out Mm -hmm. games for a, a competitive Pirates team. And I don't think they would want to have to go out and get somebody else. And so holding on to Bednar, I think would be the smartest decision for them, though, like you're saying, they could get a huge return there. Um, the other guys, I Holderman's got that Clay Holmes feel, but I, I don't think the Pirates want to make that mistake again and trade a guy with this much control left who gets ground balls at the rate that he does while throwing as hard as he does. So I, I don't think they make that move. I think the Pirates are quiet in terms of the relief pitching trade front. I think so too. If I'm betting man, Bednar will stay. I tend to agree with Jake. I don't know if it's 2024 or 2025, but it's nice to see him calling up Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, making those moves to prospects. So their window is starting to open. It's just need a little thing. Get O'Neill Cruz back. We never know what's going to happen with them. I think they'll try and give it one more year with Bednar and maybe next season if they're in a similar boat, maybe they make that move, but the hall could be great, but I just don't think they're ready to make that move yet, but we'll see. If Bednar does go, of course, then yeah, he's going to be viable wherever he goes, whether it's to be a closer right away or as a setup man. Over to St. Louis, where we have some good options there in terms of a uh, rental. Jordan Hicks has been taking over as a closer for the Cardinals of late, and he's on a rental. And the Cardinals have already said that they are going to be moving pieces. They're going to be making some moves and selling. So it's very likely that Jordan Hicks has moved. Chris Stratton also on a one-year deal. And GMI Gallegos is a club option in 2025. So he may be on the move. So when all this mess is over, What's going to happen in St. Louis? Who's someone we should be keeping an eye on in terms of uh, taking over? Do we expect Hicks to move, etc.? Yeah, I think Hicks, unless they are able to kind of come up with some sort of long-term extension, I, I think Hicks is definitely on the way out. Uh, he might be the best available closer, depending on who else is, mm-hmm. you know, who else is actually really available. So they should still get a nice return for him, even for just two months. Uh, so. You know, Gallegos, I think, probably stays because the, 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 all the talk from St. Louis, you know, is that they're they're just trying to move on from one-year contract, you know, guys on one-year contracts and kind of re, retool for next season and build around that. So uh, I think Gallegos stays and probably ends up closing out games after Hicks moves. Um, still hasn't been – there hasn't been a lot of news about when Ryan Helsley will be back. And at this point – you know, there's no real reason to rush him. So I'd say Gay August is the, the closer after in St. Louis after August. Yeah, I got to agree on all fronts there. I think Hicks is going to be the biggest closer dealt at the deadline and Gallegos probably stays in town. I think Chris Stratton is going to go to the Rays. <laughs> that just sounds like a, yeah, a Rays guy. Where it's just like, that. Yeah, he's just solid and you just don't really think about him. Um, and you're like, why would the Rays be interested in Chris Stratton? And then mm-hmm. they turn him into somebody crazy and you're like, oh, that's why. Yep, Rays are going to Ray. They'll make some reliever move where it's like, why? Oh, wait, that's why. But yeah, I think Hicks can be a great haul, and I'm excited to see where he goes at this point. Wrapping up the NL Central in terms of these teams, Jake's favorite from preseason, Michael Fulmer's on a one-year rental and likely to be moved. The Cubs are kind of middle of the pack, but we expect them to at least move some of the bullpen arms. And then there's uh, relievers with longer-term contracts that maybe they could try and sell high on. 
Mark Leiter Jr., Julian Merriweather, and Adbert Alzali, all names we've mentioned on this show throughout the season. So when all said and done, Chicago doesn't say is put. Who's the favorite for saves for the Cubs? Yeah, I think so. I I would imagine Alzale stays, and he should be the favorite for, for saves after the deadline. I think he's the most likely. You know, he's still you know on the right side of thirty. He's twenty eight. He's a free agent in twenty twenty seven. So there's there's no reason for them to move on. And and I don't think the Cubs are looking to fully reset this thing. I think they're trying to you know turn the ship around rather quickly. So Alzale stays. Merriweather and Lighter. I think that's a bit more of a 50 50 chance with you know them being in their 30s and you know they've both been pitching really well this year i think you moving lighter now makes some sense because entering the season let's be honest there's really no value for mark lighter jr so you know he's having a career year and could get them something nice at the deadline yeah, I, I, Fulmer's probably definitely gone. Uh, I don't know if they're going to make moves of, of the other guys. A lot of them are in their early 30s, like Merriweather and Leiter. Um, I, I think Alzale's definitely going to stay, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it does seem like it would be pretty smart to sell on Leiter right now. Um, it's just hard to tell what the Cubs are going to do. I still feel like they're undecided in terms of what they consider themselves at the deadline. They're still sort of in the race. They're 45 and 50, but they're only eight games out of the division lead, which it's pretty far. There's 7% chance to make the playoffs. I think they'll probably sell, but I, I don't know. I feel like they've got this complex of next year is going to be different and we, we should keep this bullpen together. But I, I think they probably should sell on Lighter Jr. I just don't know if they, I don't think they do. The next team is another one that's kind of in a similar boat. They're eight games out of 500, so it seems like, yes, they should sell. But as we're recording this, they're only five games out of the Yale Central. So do they try and make a run? That's the Detroit Tigers. Ideally, they'll probably be selling in their rentals or another two guys who probably aren't going to be as fancy viable with Jose Cisnero and Jason Shreve, but they do have longer-term deals, Alex Lang and Jason Foley, who you can capitalize on in terms of... a. You know, a big haul for a team that's always seeming to be making those rebuilds. So, do we expect the Tigers to move on from some of their bigger name pieces? And if so, whose names to to monitor there? Yeah, I don't, I don't expect Lang or Foley to move. But the one of those guys, I, I think if like there's there's going to be that type of you know Clay Holmes or Scott you know Efros type of trade that is like oh that's kind of surprising. He had he had like you know five years left or four years left on his deal. Uh, I, I think it might be with the Tigers moving one of these two. I, I think Foley, you could capitalize. You might be able to get a nice return for um, in what could be the best year of his career. I mean, he, he is young. He's on the younger side, but he he's you know not exactly someone who strikes out a lot of guys. There there could be you know I'm not sure how dependable he's going to be moving forward. And same with Lang. Lang's you know strikes out a ton of guys, but he has very shaky command so I, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved one of them just because the return is so great like the Scott you know Efros got the, the Cubs a really good return last year so um, but I, I'd still put that at like about 40% chance at best Jason Shreve will also be a member of the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> oh I love that <laughs> there you go that's that's the bold call from from this episode Jason Shreve to the Rays and then if that happens, we're going to see all the Chase and Shreve shares jump up because that's just what happens. 
so that's going to do it for who we say are kind of for sure, not for sure sellers, but the most likely of sellers. We have a couple other teams that are kind of in limbo that we could see some names. I'll just pass it on to you guys. We'll start with you, Rick. Do you have one or two teams that are kind of in the middle middle ground, covering around whether we're going to be in the playoffs or not, who you could see moving some relievers, some names to monitor as a more surprising but potential movers? Yeah, I guess it depends on what the Angels decide on doing. And the, the, if they're going to sell, they're going to move Estevez. They're going to move probably Davinsky, probably Matt Moore. Maybe someone wants Aaron Loop. I don't know. Um, you know, the Mets say that they're not going to sell, but David Robertson could probably get them a nice return. And I, I don't see why they don't. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. It's 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 not going to happen. Uh, there's been talk about Kenley Jansen being moved in Boston. I I really doubt that. I don't think he's going anywhere. He'll be back next season. Uh, a team we didn't mention that I don't know what their plans are, and they've been pretty aggressive in adding pieces. But I, I think Seattle. I mean, Paul Sewell could probably get them a really good return. He's he's got one more year left on his deal. Uh, or one more year before he hits um, one more year of arbitration before he's a free agent. So, um, you know, they could probably get a really nice, you know, return for him this off this, this, this deadline. I don't know, think Seattle really has a chance to make the playoffs at this point. Um, they would have to have a, you know, a pretty good run in the second half. Um, but yeah, they, they I know Seawald's a popular guy there and he's been pitching really well. So, uh, I'd say probably less than 50% chance he gets moved. I think the Padres and Mets are probably the teams that are going to be the biggest difference makers at the deadline. And I think both of these teams should be selling. They're sort of in the same boat, but I don't think they should be selling big. I don't think they should go like trade Juan Soto or, or, uh, Pete Alonso or anything like that, guys that still have another year of control left. But the guys that are going to be rentals, especially in the bullpen, I don't see why you wouldn't send them out. I think that that leaves David Robertson, Adam Adovino on the board on the Mets side. I think Brooks Raley could also be on the move, though he does have a 2024 club option, which may make him more appealing as a trade opportunity as a, a, a trade guy. Um, but for also sure, Josh Hader. Yeah. Josh uh, Hader's the big one. He's a free agent. Yeah. I was gonna say with Ottavino though, the, he's got a he's got a he's got a uh, player option that I think is like six point five million, and I'm not sure that see, that could scare teams away. So I don't think he's a real realistic chance to get to get moved. Sure. Yeah, and I'll throw out as the Yankee homer, the Yankees as a team that's kind of in limbo. They've talked about being. There's been rumors that they're gonna buy, that sell, they're gonna retool, whatever the case may be, but they're gonna be moving some pieces. And maybe that comes in the bullpen and trying to restructure some contracts. Wandy Peralta, something like that, maybe could be on the move. I don't know with them, but let's keep an eye on the Yankees as well and possibly for next. So we'll take one final break. We'll go into over to the buyers and guys whose jobs will therefore be on the line because of these acquisitions. So we'll take a break. Get back with that on In the Pen. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. 
And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we talked enough about the sellers and the more fantasy uh, viable in terms of uh, guys who are going to be losing their jobs in terms of uh, getting moved over. But if they teams that buy are looking for closers, let's run through some of those teams and guys whose jobs are in jeopardy. Rick, let's start with you. Give me a couple teams who you're looking at to be buying at the deadline. I know most teams do buy, but closers whose jobs are most in jeopardy in terms of uh, buying at the deadline. Yeah, I think Arizona is is definitely number one. They're they need to find you know I would this I would love to see Liam Hendricks there. I don't know if that's going to happen if it's if it's if if they would take on that that money or what what would have to happen there. But um, they de- they do have some you know available prospects that they can definitely move and not just completely destroy. I know it's going to be a long-term thing in Arizona. They're just getting started, but they, they, they can move some pieces to get a, an impact reliever. And I think, you know, you get a, you get a good reliever, you get a, you get another starter in there and then you just see what happens. And that team could be uh to could go on a run in September and October. I think the Rays and Braves are probably teams that are going to be Active at the deadline. I don't think either of them are going to be changing who their closer is. The Rays got Fairbanks. I feel pretty solid about him. And the Braves got Rysel Iglesias. There's not too many relievers better than him, but they will be filling out the depth, especially for the Braves with Minter and Nick Anderson going down. And for the Rays, who I think are always looking for anybody. And, you know, like I said, they're getting Chase and Shreve. They're getting uh, Chris Stratton. Yeah, and I'll throw out, we talked about the Marlins and the Rangers at the beginning of the show with Puck struggling, with uh, the Chapman moving the loss of Josh Spores. Those are teams who are going to be looking for relievers, so wouldn't shock me there if those jobs get on the line there. And we'll, we talk about it a lot throughout the season of them probably getting a reliever, and now is the time. The Los Angeles Dodgers, Evan Phillips has been very great, but they lost Daniel Hudson again. Bruzar Gradle has been good in his sort of role, but would it shock anybody if they're the big team that gets a closer there? Because it's what the Dodgers do. They always seem to get to have the uh, the pretty good trade deadlines. So uh, keep an eye on the Dodgers and your Evan Phillips shares. It wouldn't shock me if they maybe don't get the biggest fish in the world, but they get a good reliever to compete with saves for Evan Phillips and he goes into another uh, high leverage fireman type role. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Chris Martin last year or yeah. something like that, you know, where it's like, oh, that's really kind of a not not a really an important move. But then he ended up being like their best reliever down the stretch. So, yeah, I, I, Dodgers are definitely going to add. It's just it might not be a huge name, but it's going to be someone who's going to be impactful in that bullpen. Yep, I'll agree. With that. Any other you know surprise team? We talk about the Yankees. Who knows what they're going to do? Anybody else you want to talk about as a potential buyer? We talk about these guys in limbo as sellers. Is there any fit into that buyer category i mean minnesota potentially I, i've heard some you know you know rumblings on twitter about duran potentially losing his job and either you know to lose like lessen his workload down the stretch or to just move him into more of a high leverage you know multi-inning role earlier in games um i don't necessarily i don't really see him losing his job but i i could see definitely see minnesota adding a reliever because they're you know they're at the top of the AL Central right now. 
the Reds don't really have a lot of bullpen depth, and I think yeah. they're a team that's going to be really mm-hmm. active at the Good deadline one. because they're probably just a few moves away from being a legit title contender with the way that they've been playing. Um, but the bullpen is definitely their weakest link, and I think while they're probably not going to replace Alexis Diaz as the closer, they could definitely use some of those middle relief guys that sort of fill out the earlier innings of the ball game. Buck Farmer's not doing it for, not, not doing it for you as the uh, oh, Derek, man. Derek uh, Law. Quite. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Who we didn't really talk a lot about. They'll probably get somebody to uh, get the ball to Alexis Diaz. But a lot of movers and shakers over the next few weeks, and we'll be sure to break down all of those moves as they happen at Twitter, Discord, and of course on this podcast. So we'll have plenty of instant reaction to these moves, and we'll be able to break them down all with all three of us whenever you'd like. So let's wrap up before we sign off with another edition of who's that closer. Maybe he got traded at a trade deadline at some point. Oh, he got traded multiple times at the trade oh, deadline. Yeah. There. <laughs> all Edwin right. Jackson. <laughs> Close. Um, all right. Uh, this closer played from 2005 to two south. Whoa, to 2017. He's a right-handed pitcher. He was drafted by the Dodgers in the second round of the 2002 draft out of a high school in Georgia, and he debuted with those Dodgers in 2005. He became an elite setup man as early as his first full season in 2006, and took over the closer role full time midway through the 2008 campaign. This reliever peaked in 2009 in which he pitched to a 2.61 ERA with a 0.96 whip to go along with a career-high 36 saves. But he fell off halfway through the next season, 2010, and that lack of success carried over into 2011. So he was not re-signed by the Dodgers as a free agent and instead signed with the Royals as a free agent, but was traded just a couple months into his tenure as a Royal to the Reds at the deadline. And he would never see more than seven saves in a season after that. He saved just four games with the Reds after saving 20 plus with the Royals in that first half. Um, He then re-signed with the Reds prior to 2013 and then was traded at the to the Brewers at the next year's deadline and then was traded again at the next deadline to the Cardinals. He resigned with the Cardinals again and finished his career in St. Louis through age 33. And that's when he retired. So to recap, this guy pitched for the Dodgers for the majority of his career, went to the Royals for a short amount of time then had the Reds for a couple of years, went to the Brewers for a half a season and then finished out his career with a few years in St. Louis. He was a two-time All-Star, one time in 2009, that was his peak season, and one time in 2010, the season that he fell off in the second half, and he wrapped up his career with 8.7 baseball reference baseball reference war, 3.41 ERA, a 1.25 whip, and 118 saves. Guys, who is that closer? Hmm. This one's not Stop. as easy. I got it. Bad. This is a this is a big big man. This is a. <laughs> I yeah, was gonna. I almost said Joe Blanton by accident. It's not Joe Blanton, but he's the same initials. Correct. Uh, oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you guess, but I think I have an idea in my head, but I I feel like it's wrong. This go ahead, jo- Jonathan Broxton. There it is. Yep. There you go. Okay. And I wasn't what I was thinking, but yeah, it makes way too much. Who sense are you now. thinking? We said JB. Some reason Javi Baez, Javier like uh, Javier Baez came in my head, but that's not right at all. But 
I, I don't know. I'm thinking of some believer, Javier. <laughs> Pedro Baez. Pedro Baez. Thank you. Yeah. PB. Yes. Thank okay. you. Okay. I, yeah. PB. Yeah. I don't know why I said Javier Baez. It's it's yeah. 10:30 on a on a Thursday night. My brain is starting to get fried. But yeah, yeah. Broxton. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. That's it. That was yeah. a good one. He, he, had a, a very sh- he had a very short peak, but I, I just remember because that's when I first started playing MLB The Show. And so that's like how I remember a lot of guys from that 2009-2010 season. And he was one of the best closers in the game in, in 2009. So I think uh, I think highly of Broxton. I yeah, hope. very underrated rated reliever. Good call. I did not even remember him as a Royal at all. That just blocked it out. I remember the Cardinals and Reds towards like the end, the Brewers, and of course mm-hmm. Dodgers, but Royals, I, I don't remember at all. But Me neither. Now I'm hoping to uh, potentially use him in a Immaculate Grid. He, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good. It's a good call out. Um, he debuted really young. Wow, twenty twenty one for a reliever is pretty pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's he had some good years for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good one, huh? Stump me, that's for sure. But now that you say it, makes a lot of sense. But before we go, we'll wrap up as we always do. You guys, find us, let us know where we can find you on Twitter. Any other work going on as we get into this uh, point in the season where we're going to be to trade some rampant. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, working on, yeah, just the weekly rankings pretty much right now. And, you know, getting ready for the trade deadline to cause all sorts of chaos with uh, both the closing and holds lists. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pumped for the trade deadline. I think uh, trades are honestly one of my favorite things in all of sports. I think just not just baseball, but that's like one of my favorite things. I'm a big fan of the offseason just because I love players moving around and stuff and mm-hmm. talking about who that affects, how that affects things. And so I'm, I'm excited for our next podcast. I hope we get a lot of trades because I know it's going to be like right before the deadline, a few days before. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many guys have already been traded uh, by then. But you can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. Uh, I write the a reliever ranks article every week. And I also do the weekend editions of the first pitch podcast. And I also have my own personal podcast called free baseball, which you can find on my Twitter, or you can find all of my work at crumpler baseball.com. You can find me at Callan underscore Elslager be hosting this podcast. I'm like Jake love the off season movement. I'll be locked into uh, and there'll be a network. I'll be trade rumors, Twitter, following Pass and Rosenfall, all these guys just to see some of the biggest movements. He broke his and back. He'll <laughs> he'll find a way. The guy's a <laughs> guy. He'll find a way. His thumbs still work. His phone can still work. He'll be sending out tweets. I have no doubt about that. But get well soon, Pass. And I know for sure you're obviously listening to our podcast. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, hopefully we get some exciting moves and we can... You know, react accordingly next week. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. For all of this on more, you can find us on Twitter and check us out in PL Plus and Discord. But we'll talk to you next week with hopefully some uh, instant trade analysis. <laughs> <laughs>